since they took Come Fly With Me off Netflix, I've fallen out with them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually done. How have you got this? Hello, 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 and welcome to the podcast. It's the High Press, back once again with a renegade master. Um, are you doing, Cal? How's it going? Well, I love your intros. They're, they're brilliant, aren't they? Uh, yes, I'm very good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm loving it. Um, this week, we have got a gentleman named Rod Paddock on. Now, he is a graphic designer, Albion fan, and podcaster as well. Um, you can find some of his work and, and check him out at Rob Paddock 16 wherever you, you get your social media from nowadays. Um, yeah, really good, really good chat. Uh, you can hear how uh, how he knew Sammy the Shrimp. Check him out. And <laughs> um, <laughs> also listen how uh, he likes to throw wine gums at the stewards. But more importantly, uh, how he creates uh, his work. Um, Cal, what else can you hear in the podcast? Yeah, well, I've, I've mentioned in the episode about how I've got to know Rob for his for his graphic work on Twitter. Um, as Rob said, make sure you, you go and check that out because he does see, does some uh, some great stuff. Um, he, he made a very valid point in the episode about how um, football is a family and the importance of um, you know that socialised that you know that socialised environment that you have at games and how that's been missed over the you know the COVID period that we've been in. Um, and also spoke about his um, his podcast as well. Um, he ran a podcast over the summer, the We Still Believe podcast, um, covering um, England. And we was uh, fortunate enough to be guests on that podcast. So if you haven't heard that, go and check it out. Um, but yeah, really, really good chat with Rob. Rob's a great guy. And um, yeah, we're sure, we're sure that you'll enjoy this episode. So um, as always, say, sit back, enjoy, grab yourself a drink and listen to this episode <laughs> with Rob Paddock. Uh, Rob, I've known you on Twitter for quite a while, although you probably haven't known of me for a while. Um, all of the graphic stuff that you've done for for Albion, I've um, been seeing that for for a few years now, and um, you were right on our list when we wanted to uh, set up the podcast, and we finally got you on. Uh, so thank you for for joining us on the party today. No worries, mate. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, I've been seeing so many famous faces. I know you've had England kit man Pat Frost on, uh, mm, the man yeah. behind Baggy Bird, Dave Chaloner. And uh, when I got a message from yourself asking me to come on, I thought compared to uh, to Dave and uh, <laughs> compared to Dave and Pat, I don't know necessarily what I bring to the table. I'm, I uh, sit behind a Mac all day and uh, edit on Photoshop, but I'm, I'm very honoured, mate. It's great, it's great to be on, and uh, yeah, really good. Looking forward to uh, being on the being on the guest end of a podcast, let's say, because uh, I'm, I'm usually hosting them. So it's it's going to be nice just to sit back and. Let uh, let the madness ensue on your behalf for a change. Around, like uh, try, trying to get all my notes sorted, which would be a first. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, mate. Thank you very much for having me on. No, you're very welcome. What I will say is we do like to target a wide range of guests on the podcast, so please yeah. don't feel out of place. <laughs> this is exactly what we want. Um, so you're very, very welcome. And of course, thank you for coming on. Um, no so worries. we'll start off the podcast with our quickfire round. So for those who are new to the podcast, um, this is the part where we'll sit down with our guest and ask 10 questions, um, random questions about life, often this or that questions, um, just to get to know our listener a little bit more. So... Rob, kick us off with the first question of Quickfire. 
straight in here. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Oh, God. Now, I can't eat pizza because I'm allergic uh, to it. Oh, oh. no. It, but, but I can say safely, the last pizza I had, I did have pineapple on pizza. However, I when I went, uh, we went somewhere on an away day and uh, we were hungover in the morning and we had pizza left over in our hotel room. And we actually, for some reason, I don't know how there was peas on this pizza. Peas? So, I don't know, mate. If, 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 I'm, if, if we're saying pineapple on pizza, then if I've had a pizza before with peas on it, it's not my go-to. I, I prefer a good old spag bol if I'm going on the Italian, yeah. uh, Italian side of things. But I would probably say yes. There's there's much crazier things you can have on pizza. I've I've definitely seen much weirder combinations <laughs> than pineapple. So, well, I mean, definitely. I mean, peas is a new one for me, and I certainly won't be trying it either. Um, but there we go. I wouldn't recommend. I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> I'll keep it as part of a fish supper. Um, question two: <laughs> PlayStation or Xbox? Oh no, PS. Easy. Yeah. I had a my first console was an Xbox 360, and I remember just constantly being on FIFA 12 like even yeah. if like years later when mm. the 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 Xbox one had come out I was just obsessed with FIFA 12 on the Xbox 360 but you can certainly <laughs> tell the difference I um the the little time I do have to play a bit of FIFA and um I occasionally play a bit of cricket 19 as well a bit of GTA here and there but yeah, PS for me, PlayStation, it's uh, levels above, yeah. but can cause a bit of controversy, that question, between, uh, between our fan base. Uh, but, but we love a bit of controversy, so um, oh, oh, yeah. we're all for it. We're all for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's your uh, favourite artist or band? Uh, I'm an indie man. I absolutely mm. adore okay. Blossoms. Um, oh, yeah, okay. okay. I've, nice. I, like, my music collection is... Manchester indie music any time between the start of the 1900s to last week. I've got the Latvis okay. on my playlist. I've got um, uh, the Smiths. I've got Oasis. I've got all sorts. But for me, Blossoms are the kind of band that you can just jump into anything with. I, um, I, I've had interactions with a couple of their members of the band as well on Twitter, and I always oh, think great. it's nicer when you kind of know them more. And um, I was listening to a lot of their podcasts that they do over the um, over lockdown. So that kind of got me interested in them more because with me, I like to know the people behind the music as well as, as enjoying the music, because I think you, you get a sense of what their kind of aim is. And for me, it's mm. just four lads who met up, met at high school and just created some decent music and, as I say, if I'm sitting, chilling and working, there'll be very, very few times where Foolish Living Spaces or um, Cool Like You, a, a couple of their decent albums are, are not blasting out of my uh, my Mac while I'm, uh, <laughs> while I'm on Photoshop. So, Great. Brilliant. Awesome. Um, now, controversial question. This is a new question that we've added in. Um, and it is a bit of a mix. Spicy. Um, Spicy. Does, Love it. Yeah. Do <laughs> cups of tea cool you down? Now, you see, again, this is going to say so much about me. I don't drink hot drinks at no, all. No, I rarely do. I rarely like, do. But I have heard a lot of people say they do. The other day okay. we went out for a meal um, and it was this, I think it was, it was either Saturday or Sunday, 
And we went out for a meal and everyone was ordering cups of tea. And it's like, <laughs> it's 30 degrees in the shade. Why are you ordering a cup of tea? Um, oh, I agree. But, you know, I, agree. I, I don't know. I, I, I can't speak from experience, but apparently they do. And that's probably not the right question for me, to be fair. Mate. I'm usually on the <laughs> lager when it's getting to this type of temperature. Nice, nice. Don't blame me at all. Yeah. Um, what's your favourite football stadium? Oh, mate. If I didn't say the Hawthorns, I would be disowned. <laughs> okay, aside from the Hawthorns then. Aside from the Hawthorns, aside from the home of football, um, I would probably say Wembley. We went for the semi-final the yeah. other day and uh, I, I said to someone like, the facilities in, we got a Category 2 ticket and the facilities that we had there were better than any other facilities of hospitality I've ever been to at any other stadium. Like, mm. you'd pay thousands to watch a game at Old Trafford or Stamford Bridge, and the facilities won't get anywhere near as much as they are at Wembley. It's just, it's a it's a cauldron for football, really, isn't it? And it's it's the yeah. reason it's the national stadium. You walk in, and there's just something about it. It's, it's a special place to watch yeah. football. And I think, for me, because I did watch that semi-final there, I mean, I've been there a couple of times. Uh, I went there with Albion when we, when we played Tottenham Hotspur a few years ago when Spurs were homeless. Um, it, it really, it just is one of those grounds that you're just taking in all when you walk in. It's a special place of football, and yeah, nothing comes close to me. In terms of a club stadium besides the Hawthorns, I have quite a soft spot for Charlton because we went there okay. twice in the same week. We went there in the FA Cup, and then we went there in the league yeah. the week after. Yeah, um, I was there for the league a, game. I think it's it's a nice it's a nice family old fashioned stadium. Um, I went to Booth and Crescent a few times as well, so I quite like that. There's there's a few that stand out, but if you if you're narrowing it down to that one, it's hard to look past Wembley. It's just an unreal ground. It's it's a special place to watch football. Yeah, no, I'm sure to disagree with that. Um, question six, uh, quite simply, Messi or Ronaldo? In the words of Jamie Carragher, why are we comparing them? Just sit and watch and enjoy them. <laughs> They're both in unreal players, aren't they? I mean, Messi is, is arguably more talented in terms of skills and accolades, but you just mm. watch Cristiano Ronaldo and it's like, what can this guy not do? Yeah. They, yeah. they're just both as good as each other. I mean, that's literally just like saying, would you rather have Budweiser or Heineken? It's like, just appreciate that they're both just terrific. It's, I couldn't yeah. narrow it down. They are just both unreal footballers. And I think for me personally, in, in 20, 30 years time for me to say that I was alive when both of them were playing, it's it's just, a, they're both such incredible players. And it's it's an honour for me to be alive in a generation where they're both playing. So I couldn't say one. They're, they're both sublime and you, you couldn't you couldn't say between the two of them. I'm going to take that as you sitting on the fence, but that's fine. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> shall, shall I just say Ronaldo purely because he's European and I've watched more of Ronaldo than I have of Messi? Uh, you can say Ronaldo, yeah, because that would be although I, Although I, would, I, I might say Ronaldo for the simple reason of Jimmy Morrison two-footed him while he was playing for Middlesbrough. <laughs> so he, he, he come back that. from that horrible, horrible moment where you've been uh, faced off by one of the best in the game and for Cristiano Ronaldo to bounce back from that was quite sensational. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Very uh, good. So we've got Netflix or YouTube. What do you prefer? 
Oh, mate. Since they took Come Fly With Me off Netflix, I've fallen out with them. <laughs> Plus, Can't agree more. They, <laughs> what like, a great show. This, it's incredible. Like my, We'll undoubtedly get into it, but my favourite show is Phoenix Knights, Peter Kane. Oh, yeah. 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 And, um, Brilliant, isn't it? I There's little bits of that on YouTube as well, but I couldn't say that I default to Netflix. Like, if I'm here eating, I'll just go and watch something on YouTube because I think there's something on YouTube for everyone. It's a little bit more wider. Like, you go off yeah. on a tangent on YouTube. The other night, I was watching back the highlights from our pre-season against Woking. Three hours mm. later, I was watching a tutorial of 400 life hacks that you can't miss. <laughs> it's, it, it's a weird place, YouTube, but... It I is, would say yeah. over Netflix, as I say, I would never... For me, it's a case of I would always default to YouTube over Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. No, I, I'm the same. I'm the same. But I couldn't um, say I dislike Netflix at all. It's just a case of I would always default to YouTube just because it's just it's just one of them platforms, So accessible, isn't it? Isn't it? So accessible. Exactly, exactly. Uh, question eight. What is your most used emoji? <laughs> It's probably the laughing emoji because when someone sends you a paragraph and you can't be asked reading it, you can just send one of them back. It cuts yeah. out so much time. That's what I do to Rob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Oh, so, no, to be no, fair, that explains it, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, when, when I do put a, a lot of work out, um, I get a lot of people responding with some really nice messages, great work, stuff like that. So I always send like a praying emoji thanks emoji or something like that but yeah i mean if you go on to my it might my, my keyboard is pretty much laughing emojis and okay it's like that meme your dad's keyboard it's pretty much me because you know <laughs> who, who, who's got the time to be fully reading our, like a full argument on a group chat it's just nice to put a, a laughing emoji out there and just have 20 minutes to yourself yeah 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 fair <laughs> enough um so who would you say is the most underrated player of all time? That might be a hard one. Now, I will get a lot of stick for this, and I mean a lot of stick, um, but I absolutely adored what... Are you on about Albion player or just in general? General. Or in general, could be Albion in general. I'll do the both because... My, my fate, the underrated one at Albion, which I always look back on, and a lot of people forget forget him, is Gareth McCauley. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. many people forget about Gareth McCauley. It's like, I remember a few years ago when they were doing like the team of the decade, and the amount of people's teams that hadn't got Gareth McCauley even on the bench, and you're just looking and thinking, <laughs> True, it was he was just... He scored more goals than our attackers did for the last four <laughs> seasons combined. He was incredible. But in general, like, there is so many. I, I, I don't know as if I could say. Um, off the top of my head, I don't know, because there's, there's a lot of players that stand out that you think are more underrated than you'd probably think. Mm. But... You'd never, I wouldn't necessarily say that there's players that are underrated. I'd just say that there's players that deserved a little bit more rating than they got. Uh, I always used to think Neymar never got as much credit as he should have done because yeah. he was playing in that squad with Suarez and Messi at a time at um, Barca. So 
I, I might have said Neymar, but it wasn't a case of he never got credit. It was just a case of he didn't get as much as you'd probably think he would have done. Mm. Yeah, that's a fair answer. Yeah. Mm. I like it. Um, and then the last question, um, and if you've listened to our podcast before, Rob, you'll know that this is a wholly contentious question. Um, <laughs> one that divides opinion. Uh, one that quite simply has a right and wrong answer. Um, so I'm going <laughs> to ask you now. Um, question 10. Pepsi or Coke? Can I go for option C and have a seven up? Yes. You know what? I will allow that actually because we've we've had uh, by the time by the time this episode I'm is released, we would have had thirty degree heats, absolutely glor- glorious weather. I want a seven up. It's refreshing. Yeah. Hmm. So for me, like soft drinks, if there's a Coke there, if there's a Pepsi there, I'll go for like a seven up or a Sprite because it's just more refreshing. Yeah, we recently had Sam Cosgrove on from from Birmingham City, and um, he he was the same. He he actually went down the Fanta route, and we had a bit of a, a oh, tangent Fanta's about Fanta rivals. and a broad Fanta, Fanta's and how quality. that's different. Um, Fanta so, yeah, seven up. I'm happy to accept that. That's that's yeah. absolutely fine. Um, so that was quick fire. We're now going to move on to our uh, quiz round. So this is the part now where um, the two Robs, again, we've got two Robs on the podcast, um, are going to be having a quiz. I'm going to ask Rob Paddock, our guest here, um, to choose a colour um, between yellow, red, green and blue. And depending on what colour he chooses, depends on the category of questions that both of them will face. Rob, what colour would you like to choose? I'm sitting here wearing our new home shirt. I'm an Albion fan through and through. If I didn't pick blue, I'd be stupid in there. I've got to there pick we blue. Go. Just for the fact that I know another one of the uh, the, the boys on the podcast isn't uh, isn't a fan of the best team in the West Midlands. No, so I'm just going to uh, just just going to throw that one out there. Sorry, okay. not. That's fine. That's fine. Me, me and Rob are actually having a, a bit of a giggle before pre-recording because we've noticed that there's a common theme that everyone we're getting on is sort of Albion related, and they're all choosing the colour blue. Um, so all the other colours <laughs> have been a little bit left to one side. But we've got a variety of questions, so it's absolutely fine. Um, yeah. Do you want me to change colours just for the purpose of the blue keeps getting used? The list is not at all. No, no, okay. not at all. That's not fine. at all. You've chose that colour for a reason, and we're going to obey to that. So fair enough, man. Question one. Who is Barcelona's only ever one club man? God in heaven. Can I phone a friend already? We've got no lifeline options available on this occasion. Uh, God. It's a tough question. It is. I'm trying to think, is it... Are they still playing for firms currently? I, I can't answer that question, I'm afraid. Because it, it's not messy, I will, allow, I will nah. say that. It's not messy. No. I think I'm out of it. For some <laughs> reason, I've got in my head Gerard Piquet, but I don't even know if he's there anymore. I don't watch La Liga at all. I'm going to have to push you for an answer. I'll go for PK. Sorry. It's uh, inc- a stupid answer. That's incorrect. But Rob, I think you want to try and come up with an answer. Could You're I not say... having the point for it, but go on. No, 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 no. Uh, Busquets. Incorrect. It's actually Carlos Puyol. Oh, of course oh, it is. Of course, course it is. Carlos Puyol. PK uh, was at uh, United, wasn't he? PK. Yeah, PK went to United early in his career, didn't he? And then went back oh, yeah, to... Um, 
went back to Barca. Um, question two. Which team lost to Liverpool on penalties in the Champions League final in 2005? Was That was Istanbul, wasn't it? I can neither confirm or deny. Oh, <laughs> they've won it so many times. Don't, don't keep winning it, Liverpool. <laughs> testing my football knowledge here, mate. If all 10 questions were on either West Brom or graphic design, I'd be smashing it. I haven't got time to be watching La Liga or the Champions League. It's Premier League, FA Cup, League Cup, and then the season's over. <laughs> if you'd have chosen to call it yellow, you would have had Premier League, but you've gone for general knowledge oh. instead. Um... It's between three. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna go for Real because it's the only one I can think of them playing in the Champions League final. I know they lost to them recently uh, in the final the year before they beat Spurs, but that's all I can think of. Um, unfortunately, it's incorrect. It's AC Milan. I wouldn't have got that. that was be- for me. It was between Juve. Real, or I, don't, I didn't think it was Barca. No. Uh, I, I can't remember Liverpool playing Barca in a Champions League game, you know? Oh, yes, I can. Apart Anfield. from the... Apart from that one don't massive re- game. Don't remember that being a final, though. <laughs> no, it wasn't a final. Uh, question I'm three. I'm stinky here, aren't I? <laughs> I'm not, not doing questions. well at all. Question three. Ludogorets are a club based in which country? Can we just give Rob the, <laughs> Rob the points now? Rob's had a bit of an iffy run himself like this, so don't be do, too yeah. damn. I've had an iffy run. This is the third yeah, question yeah, yeah. I'm going to get wrong, mate. I've had this thing here. Oh, God. Just have a guess if you don't know. Shall, shall a, I play a... process of elimination knowing that they're in Europe? Uh, sod it, Greece. It's Incubus. not Greece. It's Bulgaria. It's Turkey. Bulgaria. Bulgaria. I wouldn't have got that again. Um, question well. four. SC Braga, <laughs> a club based in which country? Why is my mind gone blank? Braga, or a club based in which country? Why is my mind gone blank, man? <laughs> Usually I'm really this, good at this. This happened to me. This happened to me the other day. I'm choking under pressure. I don't like this. Um, again, Portugal. It's wrong. Correct. Correct. Got it. Wait, got I it. got one. Come on. <laughs> got I've Correct. finally got one. Um, and then Beautiful. the last question. It's a thing uh, of beauty. <laughs> Sammy the Shrimp is the team mascot <laughs> for which football club? <laughs> that would be Southend United, mate. Unbelievable, you've got that right. Flipping heck, that's easy. That? Like, mask, like anything to do with English football, I'm fine with. Everything like European truth. football, it's like I don't have BT Sport, I only, I've only got Sky. <laughs> Brilliant. So, two out of four of you, Rob, are you happy with your score? Um, considering it was general knowledge, mate, yeah, I'm buzzing with that. <laughs> I, I thought after I got to the third question, I thought it was a little bit shaky, but you know, got the last two right, please, with that. Uh, the, the South End mascot one, as I was just saying, it was a process of elimination. I used to work for Morecambe, um, so Christy the cat was a regular feature of most of my designs. So yeah. I knew it was either Morecambe or South End, and I used to work for Morecambe. So you know, I couldn't have process got that one wrong. Exactly. Yeah. 
Well, that's a better score than some of the guests we've had on, so you can hold your head high. Some better we'll score than that. Bob's had in the last few weeks, but there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who knows? It'll probably find form now on here. Mr. Richards, are you ready oh, to step up to the plate? Uh, yeah, go on then. Okay, question one. Which team did Alan Shearer play for before he joined Newcastle in 1996? Blackburn. Correct. Come on. The first question's that. <laughs> and I get which, <laughs> and I get who's who's the most who's the only one club player at Barca and he gets who did Alan Shearer used to play for yeah. for Newcastle? Record breaker. He scored when they won the league title. Come yeah. on. Yeah. This is awful. It's what random questions. It's random. It's randomly generated. I'm not having this. Question two. Which football team has the nickname The Blades? <laughs> I'm actually done. How have you got this? That's, that's what's on the card in front of me. <laughs> what on that? That's your answer. Oh, well, I think you might to... get this one right. <laughs> think about that. Is it? It's an or... assumption that he's got it right. To be honest, it's, it's, it's one one of the Sheffield clubs. Or uh, <laughs> is, is it Sheff- Sheffield what? United? Correct. United. Oh, that was a tough one. That. Oh, dear. You, question in the storm here, mate. <laughs> question <laughs> three. Question three. What is the name of Manchester United's home stadium? No. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. No. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that was the question, mate, I would have ended the call there. And then. Question three. This is a tough question. Okay. Whilst playing for Egypt, how many caps did Ahmed Hassan earn? That's the sort been... of question I needed, though. Uh, let's say um, 123. Incorrect. 184. 120. Everybody's everybody's favourite player. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. Not even the best Egyptian in the team. If you're thinking Ahmed no. Igaz is not the best Egyptian in their international squad, then you're just wrong. Yeah, I can care. I can care. Oh, you got Trezeguet, haven't you? We've completely yeah. forgetting Mo Salah, but there we go. Question four. Who? Question four. Which club was Yap Stam managing in June 2016? I might have been saved here, you know. Ajax. Incorrect. It's Reading. Okay. Uh, and this Probably is for the win. In that spell. They always seem to beat us, Reading. Yeah, we got a terrible run against them at one point. So, this is a great question. How many games did Frank Deboer manage for Crystal Palace before being fired in 2017? This is to win the quiz. No, I'm thinking it wasn't many, was it? I can't comment. Uh, let's say 20. 16. Gone for 20. Incorrect. It was four. Four. Oh, I was going to go. Really short, and I didn't think they were okay. Right. You know what? I'll take two two. I'll take a draw. Now, we've never done this before, but I'm making a proposition. Was that all five questions? That was all five questions, and you've oh, drawn two two. However, I might now ask a question, and the first one to oh. answer the correct answer <laughs> okay. wins the quiz. Okay. All right. Okay. 
Whoa. Okay. The tension is building. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get a question that's answerable because the last two were not answerable for both of you. Well, neither were um, three of my five, to be fair. Okay. Uh, do you, no, that's not a good answer. That's not a good... It's either too easy or too hard. Okay, here we go. Who did Manchester United sign Eric Bailly from? Which Was it Rome? No, it wasn't Roma. Which wasn't club Roma. did Manchester United sign Eric Bailly from? First one to say the correct answer wins the quiz. Did you just, did you just get one answer? I'll let you have a couple each. Well, I've said Roma. That's my first one, and that was incorrect. Roma's incorrect. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Espanol. Incorrect. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, oh, that was my two guesses, wasn't it? I know who it no, is now. You can have. You can I have three. You, you can have three. I can have three. Well, it's Villarreal then, because he played for Espanyol and then Villarreal. Correct. We have a winner, ladies and gentlemen. We have a winner. He played for Espanyol. I remember he played for Espanyol and Villarreal, but I couldn't remember which order. I thought you said you didn't watch La Liga. <laughs> I don't. But I, but I watch Sky Sports News. I watch. I watch Jim White. Stupid of me, really, but I do watch Jim White. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, considering you were down and out, considering you were down and out in the early stages, you've come back to win the win the quiz. Well, that's a nice segue, actually, because my favourite West Brom game I've ever been to, we played uh, Villarreal. Oh wow! What what year was that? Uh, that was 2019. We went over and played them in Benidorm. Oh, okay. I can't remember that. Lost you know. 3-0 to him. Couldn't remember what the score was until I searched mm. it up the other day because we were allowed alcohol in the stadium. <laughs> so I don't think many of us who went that day came out and had a clue what the score was, but it was a good <laughs> night. Brilliant. So we'll now move on to uh, the questions that we uh, like to ask our guests. So we've got a few things that we'd like to ask you about uh, sort of the stuff that you do in football um, and sort of you personally and your relationship with football, et cetera, et cetera. So um, the first question for, for people um, listening and they're not quite sure who you are and what you do, just briefly explain um, exactly that, who you are and what you do. Yes. Yeah, so um, I started kind of, out of nowhere, really. Um, I was a little bit uncertain of what I wanted to do. I was a little bit uncertain of why I, I wanted to go. And all of us, one day, years ago, I just decided to make a Twitter account, really, um, just to interact with people. And for some reason, that's blown up to 3.6K followers, which I have no clue how. Wow. I've only just got up that account back, actually, because I was suspended from uh, UMG for using copyrighted music. So I've only just got that back this week. Oh. Um, mm. But basically, I just do um, graphic design, uh, video editing, multimedia, photography. I do a bit of everything, really. Um, work in different sports clubs, um, just kind of try to... I try to spread positivity, but sometimes as a football fan, that's not as easy as, as it <laughs> sounds on the tin. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I just, I work in sport. I design, I'm a graphic designer, so I post a lot of my graphics work there. 
and one thing led to another and I kind of became a, a, a big deal. I mean, I don't know how, but I became a big deal in the West Brom fan community. Um, people That's knew how I know I was. You, so. People knew who I was. People knew what I did. Um, so it, it kind of became from me just sitting and playing on Photoshop to posting graphics to 30, 40 people to 50, 60 people, including the team, see my edits. I mean, I posted my first one on my new account today and it's surpassed 60 likes and I've got Callum Robinson, I've got Valerian Ishmael all liking the post. So it sounds right. really generic, but it's it was something that's given me a real, I'd say a real purpose because it's, it's kind of a drive for me to con to consistently post content. And it's also given me something to aim for as in a job as well, because I know now I now know what I want to do. So if you're not following me at Rob Paddock 16 on Twitter, I just post a lot of my work related stuff. And then if you want to see me at half past six in the morning, quote about the fact that it's too hot or my head hurts, you can follow <laughs> my personal account at Rob Paddock underscore 16 which was where I, I defaulted to when my other account got suspended. And now I just tweet about the temperature and uh, my favourite alcoholic <laughs> beverage at half past two in the morning. So, uh, that, yeah, so no. that's become... I'm just To be honest, I'm just a normal guy who just did well on social media. And it's grown from right. there, really. I don't do anything special that you probably wouldn't have seen from different people or I haven't done anything too extravagant that people you wouldn't have seen on social media before, but I always like to think that I do it from a different angle. So I, a lot, some of the photos that I use to edit my graphics, I take myself. I've got a decent camera equipment. I've got a good mate and she's a photographer. So she'll sometimes take photos and send them across to me. Um, I just quite a big fake. I don't necessarily, it's not necessarily a good thing. A lot of people say, when I say I'm quite a big name in the West Brom fan community, they'll, they'll go on, on my own backside, but Sometimes when you tweet about a manager or a player, you don't necessarily want the club to be tweeting you or messaging you and go, you've got to turn that down because you're such a big name. So it's not necessarily a good thing 24-7. I just yeah. post my thoughts out there and it just goes out to more people than other, others do. Um, so I'm just, I'm just a normal guy that was lucky that what I did, people liked, and it's given me a platform to reach out to different clubs, reach out to different organisations and kind of put a digital footprint out there, which on the whole has been welcomed really well. And it's been something that the club have been really supportive of um, different members of the club staff, different members of the players, different members of the staff, other clubs as well. I've just managed to get a good following. So when I post a graphic out it, or a video, it reaches a decent audience for people to go, Oh, that's quite good. He should work for this club or should work for this club. So to wrap it up, I'm a media guy, mainly specialising in graphic design, who just did well for himself on social media. And I wouldn't say did well, I just got lucky because people found my work more than other people. And I know that there'll be people who post stuff that is as good as mine or better than mine that just haven't got that following. But luckily for me, I did get that following on Twitter at least. And it's given me a good platform to kind of push my work and get where I am today, really. Yeah. Great, really good. Mm, so nice, obviously nice. you're a, you're a big fan of, of football. Uh, yeah. You haven't got that vibe already. I'm, I'm I'm confused. Um, <laughs> so how did you uh, how did you fall in love with football? What was the defining moment that made you really fall in love with the sport? Well, mate, my first ever football game that I remember vividly was a certain five five against Manchester United in Sir Alex Ferguson's right. last mm. game. So yeah. when you 
Um, I mean, I've always loved football. My family are all big football fans. Um, and they were always the type of people who would do the two or three matches a season. They weren't as obsessive as I am now. They weren't kind of, oh, we'll go this week, we'll go every week. They were just like, we'll go every now and then if we can get cheap tickets. Um, and I kind of changed that aspect about how my family were with football. Um, but as I say, I went to a lot of, um, I live in Blackpool. So I went to a lot of Blackpool games. I went to a lot of Fleetwood games. It's just like a neutral, just kind of just getting my feet in. Uh, back when I was very young, I used to be quite afraid of noise. Um, I mean, this is showing not necessarily how far I've come now, but if I go to a football ground and the noise isn't deafening, I'll sit there and ask the fans why they're sitting there and not singing. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, as I say, my first Albion game, 5-5 five, five against Manchester United. And I remember my granddad took me, we came out of the ground that, that night and um, we were walking down the Halfords Lane. We were all singing. We were all singing that Romelu Lukaku chant, which is so infamous <laughs> with our fans. Yeah. And my granddad put his arm around me. He was like, this is what being a West Brom fan's all about. And I remember getting back in the car, going to the fish and chip shop, and I was like, we're going to be going toe-to-toe with the world's best. You know, we've just drawn 5-5 against Man United. We're going to be playing against the world's best. We're going to be going into the Champions League. And the year after that, I think we all went mad when we beat Swansea <laughs> 1-0. Mm. So it, yeah. was, it, was a, it was a real <laughs> contrast. But and, uh, like so many little things as well, like I've always built into my love of football every year. But the thing that peaked it for me was, um, I'm not going to go into it too much, but... I know that there'll be people listening to this who are going through hardships themselves, but um, back in the early stages, just after uh, it was the night after our playoff semi-final against Villa, which we lost on mm. pens, which still haunts me to this day. My mum sat me down with my dad and she told me that she'd been diagnosed with level three breast cancer. Oh, and wow. my world was turned upside down at that point. I'd had really bad mental health issues. I'd, I'd hardly got anyone supporting me. Um, my support network came from a Saturday afternoon, seven or eight of lads that I knew we'd go to watch the football, we'd go to the Vine, we'd go to the fish and chip shop after. So my support network locally to me, living in Fleetwood, was pretty much non-existent. Um, was literally my mum, my dad, and occasionally a couple of my teachers at school. So when this happened in the off-season, my world was turned upside down. And most nights I was just wondering what what would happen from here what you know what would what would occur what what would would I even have a month at the start of next season mm. and in the off season the club reached out to me and I'm not going to say who the official was at the club in case they listen or they want to be embarrassed but he said listen this is a family we are a family he said and genuinely if you need anything you know where we are and my mum was going through chemotherapy just before the season started. And I was begging my dad to take me to Benidorm for this pre-season against Villarreal. And the club reached out to my dad and said, bring him along and you can come to the training ground, come to our training facility and wow. watch the boys train. And we watched the boys train for about 20 minutes. And then we spent about three hours with them at the end of the session, chatting away to them, um, having okay. photos, having autographs and stuff like that. And I remember walking out that night of the, the facility that they were training at, and I just said to my dad, I said, I will, there will be things that will stop me breathing. There will be things that stop me in my tracks. There will be things in life that stop me, that bring me down. 
but nothing will ever lift me up more than this football club because that changed my whole outlook. I'd gone from being mm. really negative and I was like, you know what, I can fight through this. And a few months later, my mum was given the all clear. And luckily now we're all on the mend. We're all going well. But right. the club saved me because I was in a really dark time. And I think after we came out of that, we went into that Southern Village season, which was just so high up in most Albion fans' support, their life supporting because of the football we were playing, because yeah. of the, the kind of atmosphere between the fans and the management. And it was just, that was the one moment for me that made me think, this isn't a sport. This, this is what I live for. Saturday mm. afternoons, every week between August and May, it's what I live for. It's why I'm here. It's... And, for, and still, like, there is so much more in my life. Like, I have developed so much. Like, three years ago, I wouldn't speak anything less than football. It would just be football, 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 football. Now, there is much more to my life, but there won't be much more. There won't be many conversation, conversations we have where an away day doesn't get brought up, or a memory doesn't get brought up, or a game doesn't get brought up, or... There's a little reference that's between me and mates from an away day or a, a night out or something like that. And it, it just, my life revolves around 90 minutes every Saturday afternoon. And that's, for me, in a negative, that, that you can look at that in a positive or negative light because positive, it's your thing you live for. Unfortunately, I support West Bromwich Albion and as you know, it's not that easy. <laughs> so, but the thing is, someone said to me at school the year I left, they were like, would you ever would you ever consider supporting a club who won every week? And it's like, well, where's the fun in that? When you're gonna win away day, you wanna know. I I the thing I love is when you go to Chelsea away and you've got all these tourists that are there, or when you go to Man United and most of the home fans are tourists, you walk around a block, you see your home our fans, and you know every single one of them. You're speaking mm. to them about how work was in the week how your sister is, how your daughter is, how your family are, because you know each other, because you are a family. And ultimately, you wouldn't get that at a big club. You wouldn't get yeah. that at a Man United. You wouldn't get that at a Man City. So, yeah, it is so much easier on the field. But I'm telling you what, when I went through that problem with my... When, I, when my mum went through that cancer, when my nan passed away in those few months where my mum was going through chemotherapy, where I was at the lowest I've ever been at, if I'd have supported one of those big clubs... I would not have had that support network because it's mm. the fact that I had 4,000, 5,000 people who every time I turned on my phone were messaging me, is everything all right? Can we do anything? That every time I walked through the gates of the Hawthorns, I had someone else putting their arm around me going, is everything all right at home? Because every time that I went on the coach away, I was sitting chatting to people. And that saved me because it's like, it is just a family. And that's what I love about kind of our level of football because you can compete and you can dream about being, being the best in in the league you can be dream about being the best in the country it's it's not a very realistic one but Leicester City made us believe that so why can't we but it's a family and it's not a big club like a lot of people will say you're a small club I love that I don't want to be a big club I don't mm. want to go to a, I don't want to go to a home game and not know who I'm sitting next to I don't want to be going to an away game and going Who's he? I've never, I don't seen him before. I want to go to an away game and know everyone off by heart. I want to sit in my block where I sit in E5 in the Birmingham Road end. Be spending it throwing wine gums at the steward because we know he's just going to come and start shouting to us to try and get his attention. I love that. <laughs> and that, it's those little things, it's those little memories that make me love football. It's those memories of going back to that game when we played West Ham. We were already down. 
We were already out. We were playing some awful mm. football. We got beaten, but we all went up. We got pissed before we went in. <laughs> and we were all loving it because who cares about the result? Because we were back. We were back together. We could finally converse with each other. I'd not mm. seen my mate who I'd seen every weekend for the past four years in a year and a half. So we were sat three hours before kickoff in the ground just chatting about how we were. And that's why yeah. I love football. It's not about the 90 minutes for me. It's not about the best players in the world. It's not about going and supporting your team or any of these stereotypes because West Brom don't need my support. West Brom need me when I'm there for them and I need them when they're there for me. It's a two-way thing. You don't support a football club for 90 minutes on a Saturday afternoon and then go home and go, oh, I enjoyed that game. You support them because a Wednesday night when you're feeling shit, when you're feeling at rock bottom because you've had a bad day, you can text a guy who sits behind you. You can text someone who you've never met before. You can text a guy who dresses up as the club mascot and you can just say, how are you? How's your week been? Yeah. And that's what I love about it. And that's mm. the one thing that I always treasure. And that's why I love football. It's not the game. It's that ability of walking into the ground, knowing the staff, knowing the fans, knowing the cleaners, being able to put a note on your seat and say, sorry, spilt a drink. Let me buy you a drink at the end of the season because I know it's going to be a pain in the backside to clean up. That's what mm. I love about it. Because it is, it is a family. And yeah. there's no more of a family than my club. West Bromwich Albion are the biggest family in football. And like every family, you have your arguments, you have your disagreements, and you have your times mm. where you just want to get your head of the family or your leader of the family. You just want to wrap your arms around their neck and go, I fucking hate you. But ultimately, <laughs> that's what you do in every family. And if, if you don't have that passion for the club, and this is the one thing that's always been my downfall, is I'm way too passionate about the club. Because when, even when I was working for the club, I'd put stuff out there that I would get told off for. Like, I'd get so many emails in the morning, just like, you need to pop on this call, you'd put something dodgy out. Because I love it, and I want what's best for the club. But as I say, to, to answer the question, and to, to give you a nice little clip here, what made me fall in love with football is the people. Not the game, the people that are around it. And the people yeah. that my club have, because... If, you, if I put out tonight that something was wrong in our family or you put something out that was wrong in your family, yeah, with a big club, you'd probably have a lot of people coming and asking you if you were all right. But on Saturday, we've got Watford. And you'd have mm. the same amount of people who've commented on your posts on social media coming up to you on Saturday afternoon and having a 10-minute conversation with you. Yeah. That's what I love about it because it is one big family. And football's a brilliant sport. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely adore football, but... It's not always about that 90 minutes. And there's so much yeah. more to it. And mm. I mean, you have to tell yourself that supporting a club like ours, I know, but <laughs> it, it really is. And it's the people that make a club. It's the people that make a club and it's the people that make this sport so special. It's not It's not the 22 players that go and play football every Saturday afternoon. It's the people that they are behind the scenes. It's the people that their friends are. It's the people that their families are. I mean, you see from so many players that have been with us in the past have always said when they've gone on to big clubs. I mean, Romelo Lukaku now still talks about how good he loves Albion. Yeah, which is mad. Like, every time I hear that, I'm just a bit like, this guy played for Albion. Because, exactly. Mm. He was he was one of the biggest... He's one of the biggest names now in European sport. He's scoring mm. goals for fun at his club. He's banging them in for Belgium. Yet, in interviews, he keeps bringing up about... Oh, <laughs> I, I remember when I played for West Brom. It was brilliant. And it's like... <laughs> 
this mm. guy was a young lad coming from Chelsea. He was down there scoring a hat trick, and now he's talking about this. And that's just mm. credit to what the, to the type of club we are. And that's why I love it because, as yeah. I say, it's a family, and it always be a family. And you can't change that. You can change the players. You can change the staff. But ultimately, those players still love the club. Those staff still love the club. Those fans will always love the club. And it's mm. the people. And that's why I love it. Mm. Well, thank you for being so honest and, and vulnerable about that as well. That's That was a really good, oh, yeah, yeah. Really good answer. I just I like to be open about stuff like that because I know there'll be people who are listening to this podcast who have mental health issues. I know mm. there'll be people who are listening to this podcast who have got family going through a tough time. But if you have that support network, honest to God, if you were a fan of a club like mine, post a tweet out. I swear to God, you will get so much support because mm. every single fan group, they when you go to a game, you're not with 25,000 other fans. You're with your second family. Mm. You're with people who you will... Like, on an away day, you score a goal from the halfway line, okay, or 35 yards out, aka Jake Livermore against Hull, and it'll be a memory that always sticks out for me. Because you bang that one in, I fell down four rows of stairs, <laughs> and you've got people who are just hugging you, who are just wrapping your arms around you. I've no clue who you are, but we've just scored. And we're celebrating because we have scored. And, and it's like, if those people going through that, I always like to be open that things get better. I've been through so much. I mean, I don't like to keep bringing, going up about, you know, the fact that I've had a tough life because there will be people out there that have had much, had it much worse than I have. But yeah. that's why football's so important because it's that support network and it's that ability to just go on a Saturday afternoon so that all of those problems and all of those issues that you've got, just leave your head, keep them outside, keep them on the, the Birmingham road because when you're walking through that turnstile, there's one thing in your mind and that's spending the next 90 minutes supporting your team with your second family and that's... That's what people need to hold on to if you're having a bad time. And if you don't love football and you don't understand football, just go and watch it because it's the people that make it. Because yeah. I tell you what, I've had my mum, I've had my nan, they've been to matches before and they have no clue. Well, my mum does now, but my nan doesn't. Hmm. She's been to matches and she's been saying, oh, it's lovely because everyone gets on. You don't get on with the away fans, but that's the whole point of it. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. I, I, when I went to Wembley for the semi-final the other day, I bumped into a Wolves fan. And we were reminiscing, and I'm pretty sure I'd met him somewhere before. I was wearing an Albion shirt, and we'd had words. Because he was saying that he'd spoken to someone in Wensbury about Triore and his injury record and stuff like that. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that was me. But it's like, you're now supporting England... Hmm. Harry Kane put that penalty in. And I was throwing, we were throwing our arms around each other because that's the power of this sport. And that's yeah. why it is so special because, as I say, you can leave those feelings, you can leave your problems at the turnstiles. You walk in and everything just goes out of your mind because you're doing what you love with people who love the exact same thing as you and they just want what you want, which is success for your team. Yeah, yeah. No, really hmm. good. Thank you for that, mate. That's, that's class. Oh, yeah, so um, if we go on to a bit of a graphic design now, um, yeah, could you tell us how how you create a design sort of from from when you a concept until you know how it comes out a finished project? Um, and and do you have any designers that inspire you as well? Uh, well, the funny story to start off is 
I used to, or I still do, I collected football programmes. Now, okay. I have a bookcase over there with over a 1,000 West Brom programmes <laughs> on it. Right. Now, I have a wardrobe here with loads of... I, for years, I collected all the FA Cup final programmes, all the League Cup final programmes, all the Community Shield final programmes. And when I was about 11 or 12, I used to open up my dad's computer, go into Microsoft Paint, and create my own programmes for different teams mm. and for different games that I was watching. So you might be watching Spurs versus Liverpool. So I'd go into paint, I wouldn't watch the game, I'd create a programme for that game. Hmm. So that moved on to when I got my first computer, Microsoft Publisher. Yeah. And then Publisher moved on to Photoshop. And I used to just do these programme covers over and over and over again. But when I joined Twitter, I thought it might be nice to do some like little... Um, you know, little little shots of players, little images of the players and, and, and blend them together. So that's how it happened. And ultimately, over time, you just get better at it, you improve, you work with different clients. Um, I know one of the things we'll get onto later is the different clients I've worked for. And still now, it, it kind of takes me back when you think, I'm a young lad who's, excuse me, I'm a young lad who's sitting in his bedroom on Photoshop in Fleetwood you watch a game on Sky Sports and you look to the big screen at the Hawthorns and there's artwork that you've designed on mm. the big screen. Right. You go yeah. to the Hawthorns on a Saturday afternoon and you're like, I've designed that. Yeah. You go to like, I go to my workplace at Warrington, I go past the corridors, there's posters on the wall that I've designed, there's the programs that I've designed, the lanyard that I'm wearing and I've designed. So that's, that's weird. And that for me, and I know a lot of other designers that have done stuff like that, it always hits you when you work for these clubs that you love and you think, I'm literally just in my room in, in Blackpool designing this stuff and it's gone out. But to, to go back to that, how do I create a design? I will always have an idea of what I want to create. So this morning for, say, the graphic that I posted on social media, I wanted to do something which was around the start of the 21-22 season, the start of a kind of a new era under Valerian Ishmael. So I'll have a brief idea of what I want to include. So I want to include two player shots, a shot of Valerian Ishmael on some sort of blue and white blend. So that will then go onto a sheet of A4 where admittedly I can't draw. That will usually just be bullet points on a canvas of stick men. And then I will go into Pinterest or Behance and I will search up different designs. Now, the one that I find that's closest to the one that I want, I will save down. I will then compare it to the positioning that I had in my head for this original design. And I will then go, right, this is what I wanted to do. This is the example. This is how I digitalize it. So I go 50% from my original idea, 25% from that, and 25% to see what works on Photoshop. Because sometimes you'll do a graphic, like the one I did today, the original design I wanted to do was three players standing up, arms folded, looking at the camera, Hawthorne's behind them. It looked nothing like that. So sometimes the original sketch that you do will be nothing like the one that you finish up on. Sometimes the graphic that you take from Behance or these different third-party websites will be a little bit more similar. Sometimes it'll be a carbon copy of the original one you get out. It is just a case of kind of just getting a brief idea in your head of what you want to do, jotting it down, or even just like 
sometimes I will go into Photoshop and just put the different assets down and see what works and mess about with them because the, the thing with graphic design isn't necessarily the design itself, it's the lighting, getting the composition right. So you can put you can get the images cut out, put them on the certain front and go, right, what will work before I spend four and a half hours, five hours on the lighting? What will work before I spend two hours sorting out the gradient so it doesn't all look misshapen? So that sometimes it looks so close to that original design you get. Sometimes it looks completely opposite. It just depends. So when that ends up, I will take it through either Lightroom or Camera Raw, which is just sorting out the lighting of it so it all blends together nicely. Then it will go on to Twitter. And usually what I do with Twitter is... Twitter gets all my work, whether it's the best work I've ever done or the worst work I've ever done. Because I like to see what people, because I think with Twitter, people will be honest if the design's absolutely horrible or the best you've ever done. With Instagram, you, I always think I need to refine it. So I'll put it onto Twitter for 10, 15 minutes, see what the reaction is. If the reaction's poor, I won't put it onto Instagram. If it is, I'll put it, if the, if, if the reaction's good rather, it'll go onto Instagram. If the reaction's bad, it won't. So it's all about kind of, messing about with what's good but as well you've got to try and find your own style so i've tried a lot of things where i've tried different colors i've tried different blends i've tried different ways of doing it for me simplicity works the best designs i've ever done have been really simple either on black or white or blue backgrounds which have been really simplistic really kind of easy theories of how to work with those individual pieces but sometimes when designers spend six or seven days on the same artwork because they want to make it look incredible, it will look really good. But sometimes, like, I've, I've done designs before where I've spent 10, 15 minutes doing a design and it's got a better reaction and it looks better in a final project than, I've like, two or three days' work does. So you, you can never kind of plan anything. You can never plan anything in terms of what you want you can just get a gist of the sort of thing that you want to work with because nothing ever in my industry, nothing ever ends up how you want it to look because even if it's so similar in terms of the positioning, the original idea that you had in your head will be different in terms of some form of lighting or some form of color because it won't necessarily work. And it's because I don't, I don't have such a vivid artistic brain. Things are a little different when I have them in my head because it doesn't necessarily work when I put it onto a canvas. Um, in terms of designers that inspire me, um, we have so many good artists in the West Brom fan community, like um, CJP Edits. If you're not following him on um, Instagram... I think he, I've seen he, some of his stuff, yeah. His work is incredible. He did something for the FA for England the other week, and that was really high quality. Um, he does. Uh, he works for Curtis Sport as well, so he does stuff for our match day programs, um, which is is my personal dream of doing. So he, he's living that. So I, I take a lot of inspiration from what he does. I take a lot of inspiration from Dean Davis as well because he does a lot of tutorials. He does he does a Patreon as well, so I subscribe to that. Take different things that he uses. He supplies the documents rather than the JPEGs of what he does to there as well, so I can take out little assets that I like rather than spending four or five hours searching on Google for for that individual resource. Um, but yeah, to be fair, I apart from those two, I think each design depends on 
what you want to do to who you in, who you get inspired by for that artwork. Because sometimes I'll be scrolling through Twitter, I'll see something that's really good and go, I'm going to use that or use that concept for my next piece of work. Sometimes, as, as up my own backside as it sounds, my biggest inspiration can be learning from graphics that I've done in the past and refining those to a degree where I get yeah. the document, I change mm. the images, I change the colouring, so it's basically what I've done in the past but making it look a little bit better now I've improved or make it look better now I've got the access to. So apart from those two, which I'd probably say I'm in closer contact than anyone else, I think everyone else, they, there's no one designer because I couldn't say that there's any designers that I've looked at and gone, I don't like that work. Because even if it's not a piece of work that you necessarily adore, you can, you can look at it and go, I don't like that they might have used a filter or they might have used an overlay or they might have used a texture and you're thinking i don't like the design but that texture i can use or sometimes you'll look at a bit of work and go i love the positioning but i don't like the texture so it's always a case of five or six different designs or designers and their style appeal to you that you blend into that one final piece great to obviously hear what you can you know the the advice that you've had obviously with regards to you know being a graphic designer and obviously um you know if people are interested in getting that line of work i assume they can just drop you a message on twitter and and ask you know for advice and things like that so um you know obviously yeah, rob mentioned his, his twitter earlier so just drop a message on there if you want some more more details um so obviously this summer rob you launched your own podcast the we still believe podcast um to mm -hmm. chat about england um so talk to us about that for, for a minute or two and, and what the idea was behind it and sort of how much you've enjoyed doing it throughout the summer yeah so i um officially made the decision last summer during lockdown to kind of ease off graphic design a little bit um, and go from being a full-time designer to looking at doing media work. So that would be kind of doing a position where I'd be like an administrator of a social media account. And one thing that um, the university that I was interested in going to um, advised me to do when I contacted them was start some form of blog or podcast. So I thought, well, in two months time, Euro 2020 starts. So why not launch it in cohorts with football coming home? And we were one penalty away from that doing so. So, yeah, um, launch, we still believe, in early June. Uh, did 10 episodes, wrapped up this season um, in quite a brook fashion because I had so many guests booked. But they, keep, they kept, for whatever reason, either backing out or I wasn't um, around at the right time or... Things just didn't seem to go to plan in terms of guests. So I wrapped up the pod, the first season after 10 episodes and I've got to kind of reconsider what I'm doing. But it was a good chance for me to speak England. It's a subject that I'm passionate about, but it's not a subject that I'm as passionate about as West Brom. So it gave mm. me a little bit of leeway to be a little bit more professional and to learn that level of professionalism. Uh, allowed me to speak to people, ask questions, host a podcast as well, which is something that hosting is a huge part of the job I wanted to get into. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it came about from nowhere, really, because it, it was just one morning that I thought, you know what, I should do an England podcast. And it went surprisingly well. And obviously, it's I got a shout-out as well on the England social media pages for the podcast, which boosted the numbers quite significantly. Um, and, yeah, it was just a good opportunity for me to kind of 
get my teeth into something that was a little bit out of my comfort zone. It really was. It wasn't a case of me just sitting, posting a few graphics or maybe a video every few weeks onto social media. It was something a little bit more hands-on, something that would take a little bit more effort and something that would be a little bit more appealing to potential employers. So, you know what, mm. it was something that I enjoyed doing. With the amount of work I'm taking on at the minute, it would be something I go back to, not at the minute, but I can't rule out when football does come home next year in December, <laughs> but I wouldn't go back to it because mm, yeah. it was a really good experience. I've just got to re-look at how I do it in terms of guests because I have that many cancellations and... No, I was busy. They were busy. Something cropped up. So it's got to be something that I have a look at. But yeah, I really enjoyed doing it. It was a nice, it was a different angle that I went through for my content for this summer because I always try and do personal content for each season or for each international break or, you know, so it was something a little bit different. It wasn't a graphic or a video or something like that. It was something that was a little bit more out of the norm and it's something a bit more like that that I wanted to do. Uh, I've got something in the back of my head to do like a documentary style for this season for West Brom, um, documenting each game. Not necessarily a vlog, but a little bit more like, um, well, I wouldn't say the budget's as high as what Amazon do, but something a little bit more like they do. But I just want to differentiate what I produce because it's it's a little more um appeasing and appealing to potential employers than just graphic design because ultimately I don't want to be a freelancer permanently. It's it's just another um string to my bow, really. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously we were we were honored to be asked to, to come on the podcast. So yeah, obviously you. really appreciate you asking us to come on. We we thought really enjoyed it. That episode did really well. Been. Unfortunately Turkey didn't win, which was No, in fact there was only team in the tournament to not win uh, get any points, um, which was an outstanding prediction from Rob. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I did. I didn't want to bring that up there, but uh, after our after our little poor start with my uh, my theatre video camera, which a little bit inside <laughs> joke on the uh, on, for the listeners to uh, to be confused over, I thought I'd uh, bring that back into play. But yeah, oh, they oh, they all dear. did really well. But that episode was was kind of recorded at the right time, and it was a different dynamic as well, having three people on because usually it was just me and someone else. So it was nice yeah. to have two differences nice. of the opinion as well, which I really enjoyed. Right, now we, we love being on, so obviously thanks for, for having us on. Um, so finally, last question, because I'm, I'm conscious of time. So um, obviously me and you are both big West Brom fans. Um, very, very briefly, what, what are, you, are you hopeful for this season ahead? I mean, myself personally, I'm very happy with the appointment. I think it was the sexy appointment. I think you could say that you were looking yeah. at some of the other names that were, were being linked. And it was like, oh, you know, here we go again. But... Valerie and Ismail is, is is the sexy appointment, this this high press, if you pardon the pun, that he wants to play with with West Brom. Um, you know, the way in which he played for Barnsley last season. Um, it, it seems like a really, really positive appointment, and I'm excited for um the next couple of years that we're hopefully going to have him for. Well, I like Val. Um in the past we have had a lot of managers who we've bought in who have been brought from unemployment. It's the first time I can remember that we took a manager out of a job. Um, mm. So that's a really good start, first of all. I've watched a lot of his football at Barnsley. I mean, it speaks volumes when at Christmas last year they were fighting for survival. They stayed up, not last year, the year before. They stayed up yeah. and then they were in the top six last season. So that speaks volumes of what he was doing there. Mm. His football as well. I remember when they played... Uh, Brentford a few years ago and it was like 
if the scores stay the same, as long as you don't concede again, you're safe. And they went and scored. <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I didn't realise that was a possibility with the football I've seen since starting to support Albion. So I'm yeah. looking forward to it. There is a few things that I would question, not necessarily about the appointment, but about the squad. As we always say, every single transfer window, we need a proven goal scorer. <laughs> um, we are lacking... I think the squad we've got right at this I, moment I, in time... I think we're lacking a target man, and I think Grant will be the goal scorer potentially to play from a wider position. I think that's the way it could potentially work. The, if the squad that we've got at this moment in time, as of recording on the 19th of July, the squad we have is good enough to take us up with the football he's playing. Hmm. But I'd assume that Pereira will go. Yeah. I'd assume that Johnson will go. We haven't seen either of them feature. Pereira did feature in the friendly against Salford that we had behind closed doors last week. Hmm. Um, but Johnson hasn't. Um, he has He has come back to training, but I don't think he's properly trained yet from what I'm hearing. Okay. Um, I, I want him to go for upwards of £15 million. Pounds. Um, he was a European Championship semi-finalist, after all. Yeah. Um, Pereira is one of the best players I've ever seen in an Albion shirt in my lifetime. So if yep, we get agreed. any less than £20 million pounds for him, I will be unbelievably annoyed. Well, I think I we have... need to be aiming for 25 30 for Pereira. Johnston, yeah. it's a difficult thing with Johnston because he's got one year left, hasn't he? So I think I think if we're offered oh, yeah. 10, I think the club will probably take it. Um, yeah, in an ideal world, I was saying... I mean, I was saying to my mate the Go other day on. that in an ideal world, I'd like us to probably offload Johnson because we'll get burnt and lose him for free next summer, if not, and try and just keep Pereira for an extra season, see if we can get back up um, yeah. and, and take it from there. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm confident because I'm confident in the manager. I'm confident in the backroom staff. James yeah. Morrison's part of the setup as well. We've got Chris yeah. Brunt and Dion Burton who are part of the under-23 setup, and we've seen so often one thing that I loved under Slav because... The under twenty three setup was very linked with the first team setup, and I think you're going to get mm. that again this year. Um, yeah. I'm confident, but I'm not overly confident because okay. I'm a, I'm a West Brom fan, so I'm not mm. tuned to be unbelievably confident. But on a serious note, this is quite probably the most competitive championship lineup in a very long time. Yeah, if you look yeah. at these teams, I said to someone the other day, half of these teams can go up as top as top two, a third of the rest of the teams could go up into the playoffs, and all the rest of them could comfortably come in mid-table. So hmm. anyone, I think, could come anywhere. The sides that have come up, if you look at all three sides that have come up, none of those teams are bad enough to go straight back down because they all have yeah. quality. I mean, the, the side that you always look at when you look through the playoffs and think they'll automatically come down. Blackpool, four years ago, Blackpool were knocking on, not four, four plus years ago, Blackpool were knocking on the door to get back to the Premier League. Mm. They've got some good players. They're no pushovers. They've got a good owner. They've got a good setup. They've got a good facilities. They've got Premiership standard facilities as well. So you look at the sides that are in this division, it's so competitive. Like, I am confident we'll finish top six, we'll be in the playoffs. I, however, don't feel that... I always think a two-year plan for getting back to the league, getting back to the Premier League. This time, if we keep Val, I want a three-year plan because I want us to build up so when we go up, we don't come straight back down again because that's been our downfall yeah. in the past. But this year, I, I, saw, I said to someone the other day, if you replaced us 
with someone like Palace or Villa or someone like that, I would love to be a neutral fan watching this championship season because mm. it is so exciting. But unfortunately, my club are in it and it's not going to be exciting. It's going to be nerve-wracking as all hell. I am pleased that Brentford are out of the way. That's a positive, yeah. though, because Brentford yeah, always nightmare. seem to be in those those nightmares. So I'm glad they're out of the way in the Prem. I don't think they'll last in the Prem very much, though, um, because I think they have so many good players that come and have a good season there. Now they're on the Premier League stage, and they'll have a player who have a good season there. I wouldn't be surprised if Ivan Tony gets snapped up by a Premier League side this summer. I don't think he'll stop at Brentford. Yeah, I don't think he'll stop at Brentford. But it's going to be such an interesting season. It will be the tightest championship season I think we've ever seen. But I think it will be the most expansive football we've ever seen us play. Yeah. And I think it's going to cause for one of the most entertaining ones. And I don't think it's going to be one of these where at the end of the season we're disappointed because I think there's plenty of teams in this division where they're going to be performing at a really high level. There's plenty of teams that could be knocking on the door to get back to the Premier League. And ultimately, us and Fulham, are going to be the two that are going to be up there trying to lead the way because we're ultimately going to be the favourites to go straight back up. But if you mm. look at it, we've made a stronger appointment in terms of managerial than they have because yeah. they've Silver lost Scott Parker. By. And I really rate Scott Parker because he's the type of manager that knows the club. He's a bit like Darren Moore was when we came back down. He knows the club. Yeah. He knows what it means to them to get back to the Premier League. I'm not sure whether their new manager will. Um but Sheffield United as well, a lot of people are writing them off already and you can't forget that two seasons ago they were pushing for Europe. So it's just going to be such an exciting season and as I say, it's I'm upset that I can't watch it as a neutral because mm. if we were in the Premier League, I'd, I'd really enjoy to watch it just to sit back and just enjoy the madness unfold. But unfortunately, I've got to be there living it every Saturday afternoon and probably <laughs> praying every week for Fulham or Sheffield United to get beaten, which isn't ideal. But <laughs> listen, the Championship's the best league in the world and I think that that'll prove it again this season. I think it'll be one of the best seasons we've ever had in the Championship and it'll just yeah. show the world why it is the best league in the world. And I've said it many times, if we could financially get away with playing in the Championship every season and winning it, I would much rather be in the Championship than the Premier League because it's proper league, proper fans, proper officials and none of this VAR stuff. So you, you've summed up my love of the championship in about in about three minutes there. <laughs> so I appreciate you t- taking that stance because I do love the championship. I um, love it, mate. Oh, it's brilliant. More. It's class. It's top class. Um, well, I think we're running out of time, but um, unless Rob, you want to ask any further questions? Uh, no, no. I just um, what price are you going to sell uh, Pereira to us? Did you say about twenty twenty five? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know what. I genuinely wouldn't mind him going to a other local side because I, I, I think Pereira... <laughs> yeah. no, like, on, on a level, yeah. I think Pereira's the type of guy who will be taken into the hearts of the fans. I don't yeah. want him going to one of the big six because yeah, he'll get yeah. taken for granted. He'll get put mm. on the bench. He'll get used, and I don't want that out of him. If Pereira is going to go... I want him to go to any... Oh, I don't care who he goes to. I don't care whether it's Wolves, Villa, Derby. I don't care. I just want to see Pereira play for a side competing and I want him to play and I want him to be taken in by the fans. I don't want him to sit on the sidelines and have to watch a Man United or a Man City or a Chelsea because he deserves more than that. And yeah, I, I honestly yeah. don't care. Like Rivalries aside, I just want him to go to a club where I know he'll be appreciated and I know that the guy will be taken good care of. And as much as mm. we joke about it, he won't at the big six, he will at any other club. I want him, personally, 
I know that this will be met with quite a lot of frustration, but if he was to go and the right Rafa was there, I'd love him to get a Leicester because Leicester treat their players unbelievably well. Yeah. And yeah. I think he would he would he would be pushing for Champions League with Leicester and beyond. But as I say, I just don't want him to go to a big six side because I don't want to see a player of his quality be running up and down the touchline on the bench every week. He doesn't deserve it. He deserves so much more. He's, as I say, any side out of the top six in the Premier League, he would walk straight into the starting 11 off. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I agree with that definitely. Um, but yeah, thank you for for coming on, Rob. That was oh, a mate, great, thank you very much. Thank we appreciate coming on, rather. <laughs> uh, no, thank <laughs> you. We, we really get, really appreciate that. Some some great insights into your love for football and uh, to hear what it's like to you know to do the graphic work that you do and the sort of the mm. technicality behind it and the inspiration that you have as well. It's really really good to hear. Really raw. But I just finish off the pod by shouting out all the all the media staff that have to work during like the COVID crisis and all of them, because I worked nonstop for six months to deliver mm. decent content. And I know how hard that was. So if there's any media guys here. I know that the media lads at Albion are absolutely smashing it. The media lads at England as well. If, if any of those boys are listening, their content over the summer was absolutely unreal. And if yeah. my boss at Warrington's listening as well, you're doing an unbelievably brilliant job, and I hope you give me a raise sooner rather than <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I would have done the same there, mate. So feel free to doubt that opportunity. Nice little, um, but... nice little cheeky plug there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Uh, but yeah, thanks so much for joining us, Rob, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. No worries, mate. Take care, mate. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the High Press Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we really appreciate a rating on iTunes just so that people can find us more easily. Yep, and make sure you follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Our handle is at the High Press Pod. This is where we announce all of our guests, run competitions, and keep you informed with everything happening on the High Press Podcast.